With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey, everyone. This is Mike with the Fin Fans Podcast. Uh, today, I've got with me Jim Johnson. Hey, all. Welcome back. Hey, good to be back. And uh, Louis Ergon. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Lou. <laughs> yes, sir. Tell them what we're going to talk about today. We are going to talk about the picks in the draft, upcoming draft, that we believe, or the players that we believe may be there when we draft which is the number 13 slot. Lucky number 13. Hopefully. Dan Marino. <laughs> hey, he was what, 26? Yeah. Think positive, right? That's number thir- 13. That's, that's two 13s. That's that's number, number 13. It, it was three. number 13, yes. Uh-huh. Guys, let's uh, do this. I, I, we did a little bit of talking before the show, and uh, I think most of us would like Jonah Williams to be there. Is that correct? Yeah, I think he would be a, if he's available, he would be a solid pick, no doubt about it. It's it's uh, you know, offensive line is definitely something we can use some help with. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement on that, Jim. I think that you know, there's a re- a good realistic chance there that he's going to be there at number 13 and with our offensive line play, the especially the interior line, I think that something we definitely have to address. And we have to address it early. We have to get solid picks there at some point. And uh, he'd be a great pick at you know, number 13. Yeah, most people project him uh, to guard. He plays tackle in college and uh, uh, right tackle, and most people project him to uh, guard. Uh, and I think that would be great. You put him at right guard, you got Tunsil on the left side, and at least you got a little bit of an anchor on both sides of the line. Right now, is he? He is. Or you're saying he's going to be projected as a right guard, Mike? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm assuming because he's a right tackle, he would probably go to right guard. Right. Yeah, he is projected. Uh, most likely, that his best NFL spot would be at right guard. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, who else did you like, Jim? Well, there's several, but there's a a DT Christian Wilkins, uh, six foot four, three hundred pound interior defensive lineman that. You know, he's flexible, he's he's not as tall as some of them, but that makes his leverage that much better. Uh, he can move around on the defensive line, uh, and it would, it would give us a big push in the running game. He's going to be able to push the pocket, and we are thin at DT. Uh, so I, this is a guy that I would love to see as a Dolphin next, this coming season. Yeah, he's 315 pounds, and he's quick, so he can make up a little bit for his lack of height. Uh, he's got good leverage. He plays with good leverage, so the uh, lack of height has never been a great issue for him. Right, exactly. And all of the scouting reports uh, have him going 
you know, in our neighborhood where we pick at 13, he's been listed as high as uh, 12 or 13 and as low as number 19 in, in different uh, draft rankings. So he's a, he's a good possibility and uh, a good fit for what we need. Yeah, the interior again, you know, we're on the opposite side of the football here. But again, it's, it's a situation where we have to address it. Uh, we've had decent players there over the last few years, you know, with Sue and players like that. They're all gone now. We have a few decent guys that have been left behind, but he would be a, an absolute positive on this team. And again, on the interior of our football team, you know, build it from the inside out. He'd be a great addition. And let's hope that, you know, he's there. It, it, and like you said, Jim, it's looking like, you know, realistically that he's, you know, he's going to be there when we pick at number 13. You know, in all the mock drafts I looked at, he's going to go right around that, uh, you know, that uh, pick area, 13, anywhere from 13 down to 25, I saw him going. You know, in camp today, they were playing Gotchow at uh, nose tackle. Uh, so I think some of this will depend on how much they like him in that position. In regard to, are you saying? They've got to have somebody who can play nose tackle. Right. So, so are you saying Wilkins would be a defensive? Uh, he might be a little light. And or a, no, you know, the nose tackle. Well, he's a defensive tackle, so... You know, you, you would project him to nose tackle if you're going to draft him to play in a 3-4. Right. Uh, but I don't know if he's capable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's the biggest issue is finding finding your, your solid nose tackle. You know, there's not a lot of those guys coming out right now. They're more defensive end types. Uh, so that's going to be the catch-22 is what front. Yeah, yeah. What, I mean, you could trade down and take right. uh, that big kid. Uh, is it Dexter Lawrence? Dexter Lawrence. He's, yeah. he's one of my personal favorites. I'd love to see him on the team. And, you know, he would be available if we had interest in a trade down with another team. So... Mm-hmm. He's uh he's six foot four and three hundred and forty pounds and yeah, is, he's your typical yeah, plug. <laughs> yeah, I mean he can he can really push your pocket and uh, you know he's not gonna go chasing down receivers or nothing, but you know, he's a guy that can can really anchor the middle of that defensive line for you. So it's a matter of what you want. You know, if you're looking for a four three tackle, then then Wilkins fits the bill. If you're looking for a, a nose tackle, you might be better off looking elsewhere. Right. And that's, you know, the problem is with the new coaching regime, we just don't know what direction they're going to go in, you know, in regard to what type of defense they're going to be playing. So it makes it very difficult to really predict where they're going because you're looking at a different, you, you may be looking at a completely different player than who we're, we may be looking at, you know, in a 4 3 as compared to a yep. 3 4 defense. And that goes, that goes for both linebacker and the defensive line. Right. So we, we have no idea what this coaching staff is going to do. So, again, it makes it somewhat difficult. But you, you know, know what I can predict? We've got Stirrup at right guard, and we got this guy Chris Reed at, at <laughs> I mean, right tackle, and we got Chris Reed at the left guard. That <laughs> right. I can predict. So, if you ask me, I'm leaning on the offensive side of the ball because that's ugly. Uh, You've got a center in here, you know, and Kilgore that wasn't exactly killing it before he got hurt. You know, I mean, we definitely need a lot of help on the offensive line, and that's kind of where I was looking. I looked at uh, uh, Jonah Williams, who we talked about. I looked at uh, Garrett Bradley, who's a center. 
maybe Cody Ford, if we want to trade down a little bit and uh, pick up another pick, uh, we could possibly grab him a little bit later than our turn. Yeah, Cody Ford I like as well. Uh, you know, he's rated the top interior lineman coming out of the draft. He'd be a great addition as well. Again, you know, you've got three positions across that offensive line that need upgrades. There's no question about it. I mean, we can get by with Kildor at center. You know, I'm not thrilled with him either, but we can get by with him. And then you've got Tunsil. But past those two players, you know, you, you need guys. Yeah, but keep in mind, you could take a Bradbury, play him at guard, leave Kilgore at center for right now. But Kilgore is not a long-term solution. So it gives you another year to find a guard, and you can always slide Bradbury over when you do. Right, no question. You can't go wrong with either one of those guys. At 13, that may be a little early for both of those players that we're talking about right now, both Ford and Bradbury. So maybe you do trade down, you know, at that point, depending on, you know, who's there. Uh, Again, there's a lot of monkey wrenches in this draft in regard to teams uh, that draft in front of us. And that that's going to be there's going to be a trickle down effect. Why don't you run run over that? Run, go over that real quick. How How do you see it? I, I see. I see the Giants at number five, or, or sh- I should say number six, being a monkey wrench in the in the draft because even though they need defense, they can go, they can maybe trade down and pick up a receiver later on, or you know, go quarterback. You just don't know. I mean, with these, you know, the quarterbacks are going to be a major major factor in this draft past Murray. You know, if if teams decide to go the route of taking a, a Haskins or a Lock early, it's going to affect the draft, and it's going to help us in a lot of ways because some of these better defensive players and maybe even one of the, the better offensive tackles could drop to us. So the, the Giants at number six are the first monkey wrench. Um, the Lions at number eight, they're another team. You know, I would think they'd go defense, but – they can use offensive line help as well. So, you know, depending on what side of the football they go, uh, the Buffalo Bills, they need they need a lot. You know, not so much on the defensive side. Right. So, you know, maybe they go on the offensive side, which somewhat benefits us. Uh, you know, some of the uh, projections have them taking the, the tight end Hawkinson, some of the mock drafts at tight end, which I think is ridiculous at number nine. But – you just never know. Um, and then from there, the last couple I have without, you know, talking uh, for, you know, a half hour about this, you got the, the Broncos and the Bengals, who are both big monkey wrenches in this at well, because both of them could go quarterback. You know, you can see you could see the Broncos possibly taking a quarterback, and you can see the Bengals taking a quarterback. So with those two teams just a few picks in front of us, we're going to be scrambling around if, for some reason, both of them take those other two quarterbacks. You know, we're yeah, two well, picks later. Uh, well, I I don't see them taking quarterbacks. They might, but I don't see that happening. Uh, I hate where we are in this draft. I just think it's a horrible place to be. There's there's good value later in the round, and there's great players in front of us. But where we are, I think it's kind of no man's land. I'd like to see them... Uh, maybe move back. Now, if they do stay there and those quarterbacks are taken, then that changes things a little bit. Then maybe you get that linebacker to fall to us or, uh, 
you can find another player that's really going to make a difference. Yeah, when I looked at this draft, I I looked at our position at number 13 and then I looked at like your your draft rankings and where guys are somewhat projected to go, you know, talent-wise. And when I started looking at offensive linemen is obviously very high on my list. We need a right tackle, we need two guards, we could use a center, you know, basically we've got a left tackle and that's it. But when I started looking at him, you know, I'd love to have uh, Juwan Taylor on the team, but he's going to be going in the top five, I believe. And then I slid down to Jonah Williams. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to go to somebody around nine or ten. So those two guys came off the board. And then I started looking at the next best offensive lineman, and it's down it's down a ways, right? It's a bit of a reach, and and I do not, under any circumstances, want us to overpay for guys. And basically, if you're reaching for guys, I don't want to do it. So I started looking at realistically who else might be available there. And you know, there's they're all over the place, but there's a linebacker, Devin Bush Jr. He's a, he's a Michigan guy. He's he's projected around 12 or 13. Devin White is the linebacker that everybody seems to be high on, but he's going to be gone early. So, you know, Devin Bush is a great linebacker I'd love to see on the Dolphins. Uh, everybody says, ah, he's too small, blah, blah, blah. But Zach I, Thomas was small. I got news for you. This Devin Bush is 5'11", 235, and Zach Thomas was 5'11", 228. So uh, I don't let the size thing fool you. You know, and then looking at it again, you know, if, if some of these guys are gone, you know, and Mike, you touched on it, if, if quarterbacks get thrown into the loop and you have a couple of quarterbacks go early, everybody slides a bit. And that's where another guy comes in that I'd love to, this would be like my my best possible scenario is Brian Burns, the edge rusher. Uh, from Florida State. He's a guy that's 6'5", 231, and uh, did a 4'5", 3 in the 40. Uh, he's projected as high as number 4, but as low as 14 or 15, and he's been mocked to us in a couple of drafts. So there's really no way to project it, but I got to say that Brian Burns would be a, a definite addition to our team if we could land him. Agreed. They say he may be the best edge player in the draft. So just depends on where where these teams are evaluating him and you know what what type of value they're putting on him when they come up to pick but burns right. would definitely be a major major help at again another position that we desperately need players uh we don't have a pass rush right now from the outside the beauty of him is is he can put his hand in the dirt at you know a 4-3 DE or he can be an outside linebacker rushing the quarterback as well Exactly. Hey guys, I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a, a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do, we do run a Facebook group. Uh, it's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24-7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. So, Mike, what do you think of Brian Burns? You think we got a chance at him sliding? Well, I do. I do. Uh, 
I mean, it depends on who you listen to, you know. <laughs> That's really what it, what it amounts to. I mean, I've seen him all over the place. Uh, not, you know, it's, what's exciting about Burns? Well, he's long and lean and fast. Uh, he does have a lot of bend av- ability, and he's got a high, you know, that high-speed motor. Uh, he made it a lot of plays in the backfield, obviously, as a DE, a pass rusher. That's his job. But, you know, he he – he makes a lot of things happen out there, you know, with delayed stunts and some spin moves, uh, you know, and he, he disrupts the backfield, and, and that's something that we desperately need right now. What are his weaknesses? Well, I Do you know, know offhand? Uh, I did see uh, his leverage isn't what they'd like it to be, and he needs to counter better with his pass rush moves. He tends to use that spin move to the inside a little, and there's a lot of traffic. It sounded an awful lot like Charles Harris, to be honest with you. Well, that could be. That could be. And and that is, I've read a couple of articles where he does have a boom or bust type of, type of thing. But, uh, you know... We have, ver- and I don't want to jinx the kid. He may be great, oh, I, but what I'm what I'm what I'm saying is, you've got to have more than one, a spin move. You're not going to get it done. I understand completely, and he does. It's more of a Cam Wake thing where he bends around the tackle to get to the quarterback most times. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, but he does have other moves, and I did watch the good and the bad film earlier. I think it was earlier today or yesterday. And, uh, you know, he would try that inside spin, and there's just too much traffic towards the inside most times. So he got washed out of some plays. The spin, that the, his moves are quite impressive. Uh, whether they'll be effective against NFL talent, I don't know. Well, you know, edge rushers get to the quarterback, you know, two, three times a game if they're lucky. Right. Uh, so you're going to have plays where you look foolish, okay? That just goes with the territory. Uh, but does he hold his own? How does he do against the run? These are things you got to know, you know? Yeah, he, it is that he's good against the run. He holds the outside edge pretty well. And uh, again, though, you know, you got these college players that are transitioning from being the king of their team to, you know, being right. the run of the mill in Just the another N- guy. Yeah. Being the run of the mill in the NFL. And that can hurt their confidence quite a bit. And, you know, football is a game of confidence. And if you don't have that edge, you're usually toast. What do you know about Burns, Lou? Anything? You know, he's you know he's he's a he's a boomer bust guy. You know, well, that's, everybody's that's, a boomer bust guy, as far as I'm concerned. I, you know, this team. You know, just to touch on this again, th- this team needs players that can step in right away, and that's why I'm sway- I'm hoping that they sway more towards the offensive line because I think that one of the three guys that I really like, you know, which would be Williams, Taylor. Or Ford, maybe two out of the three will be there at number thirteen, yeah. and I think they're guys that you can plug right in, and they can start from day one, and um, you're going to get productivity out of them. And then you know we've got other rounds. You know we can go and you know I would love to see them take two offensive linemen in the first two rounds. To be perfectly honest with you, then you know going forward we can start you know, working from there. But this offensive line for years now has just been horrible. And I'm just tired of seeing it, you know. So I'm hoping that that's the route they go. So you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore. Uh, Yeah, something yeah. like that, Mike. Yeah, I felt the, the same way. Are you? I mean, that was my focus when I was looking uh, d- through this. I was looking at linemen. Well, d- just think about this for a minute. Think about how productive – 
a guy like Drake can be with some offensive linemen, interior linemen <laughs> that can block in front of him. A- any of our running backs, and and you know it's not like it's not like Drake wasn't productive or Balage or Gore at that. Gore was very productive running on the inside. But think about better players at those positions and how productive they can be, uh, you know. Well, that's how you close a game out, you know, because you have guys that can do it when the other team knows you're going to do it. Right, and pass blocking as well. You know, uh, some of these guys were decent run blockers, but they were horrible pass blockers, and that was obvious last year. They, You know, they were just horrible. They got manhandled at every turn. And when we had injuries, we had no depth whatsoever. So, again, you know, you've got to start getting guys in in the early rounds that, you know, that are the foundation of our team, and then you build out from there. I completely agree we need offensive line help, and I'd be ecstatic to get some, some quality linemen on there. Uh, I didn't go with them because I thought the ones that would be available were a bit of a reach for, for us at 13, but we're in a bad position. So you're either going to have to reach for the guy you want or you're going to have to make another selection. And, you know, Mike... You, well, they could trade down, Yeah, possibly. they could, they could. Uh, but, you know, Mike and I have always harped about that third down conversion thing, and Lou, you just touched on it. You know, if the running back has more success, if, if we can stay on the field for that extra 30 seconds, that can make the difference at the end of the game. So... Uh, offensive line is a huge part and we need to win in the trenches realistically on both sides of the ball so well let's face it Tannehill had better than uh, Stirrup and Reed well he had at one time he had four first round draft picks on his offensive line so I really I don't really want to hear about the sniveling about Tannehill and his offensive line so I you know I I think the problem here is right now we're decimated and we've got to fix it I I don't think it's an option we've got to fix it now whether they decide to do it in the first round that's going to depend on who else they have targeted you know they may know somebody they have they want in the fifth round who they think can be the guy uh, I don't know what their what their scouts have said and what they've scouted, you know. But uh, I think that really they should be focusing on alignment in, in the in the first round. And, and generally speaking, I'm the last guy to say that because I think you can find linemen later. I was uh, just, but they are so desperate. I think they have to uh, they have to make sure that they hit on whoever they take. I was just going to say, Mike, I was just getting ready to throw you under the bus because you've been saying, nah, we can't waste a pick on an offensive yeah, lineman no, in the I'm first round. I'm generally that way. I hate and, it. And, I hate it. And, but they, they left themselves, you know, letting James go changes that whole scenario because now you need a guard, you need a tackle on the right side, and you really need a center and you need a guard in the middle and on the left. So, I mean, you know, that's, that, that's, that's the makings for a disaster unless you fix it. There you go. Three positions, you know, as I touched on earlier, that you have to you have to absolutely upgrade as to what we have right now. So, you know, like you said earlier as well, Mike, across the defensive line, we have guys that are somewhat decent across the offensive line. I just don't see it the same way. And, I, you know, again, I hate harping on this, but I think it's, you know, it's the position that we are at need the most to where we can get by next season and going forward at other positions, whereas the offensive line, 
you know, it's something that has to be addressed. There's no question about it. And I hate the fact that we've got to take, you know, a first round pick at number 13 at one of those positions as, as, as well. But it has to it has to be done at some point. You have to start getting players in there, you know, that are that are going to be able to uh, be productive and be around for a while. Yep. So, totally agree. The biggest thing we have to hope for is that their scouting people and their talent evaluation people are a lot better at what they do than Mike Tannenbaum and the rest of that crew because, you know, the Asiatas of the draft world aren't aren't helping us right now. Yeah, the fact that Reed was starting in practice today and Asiata wasn't tells you all you need to know. Uh, it's very painful. I had high hopes when they drafted him. You know, he had the look, the build, the stature, and I was like, man, man, it'd be great if he turned into a good guard for us. But he he can't even get on the practice field. No, it's it's, it's baffling, you know. I mean, because the guy had a nice college career. It wasn't like he was a stiff. Uh, he was evidently a, a mauler in the run game and uh, – Struggled a little bit in pass protection, but you'd figure after, what's what's this, his third year now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, you would think he's picked up a trick or two since then, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, he probably just doesn't have the, the, the good enough technique to win against yeah. the, the NFL linemen. You know, there's a yeah. big difference between the college guys and the, and the pros. Well, where you know what Daniel would say, right? Cut his ass. Cut his ass. Get somebody yeah. else in there. Yep. I think they probably will if if after this season. Yep. The only reason he's still here probably is because he's cheap and they needed bodies. It's gonna be a really, really interesting draft. There there this is it's a fascinating draft to me. Uh there's so much mystique around the quarterbacks. You know, are teams gonna take him? Are they not gonna take him? Uh, is Miami gonna take one and surprise us all? A lot of things can happen that we're not that that we're not anticipating, and that's that's what makes the draft exciting. Yeah, I haven't spent a lot of time on their thoughts on the other quarterbacks. You know, past Murray, uh, you guys may know more than I do in regard. Well, they've worked to that. them all out. They've worked them all out. They have. So yes. you know, there you, you brought up a great point just now. If if one of those guys, Haskins or Locke, is there at number thirteen? And and they're in love with them, then there there's the possibility that they'll go that route. I hope they don't, because I don't particularly like either one of them. But um, you know, there's that possibility. And you know, again, there's a few teams in front of us that may be thinking on the you know in, in, the, in the, the same, same lines, way, right. same lines across the same lines. And it, again, it'll affect it'll affect everything. It'll be a trickle down thing. My thing is this. You know, you guys talked about. Uh, possibly trading down with the needs that we have at so many different positions unless everybody that literally was you know like a a top 10 guy is gone you know the top 12 guys are just off the board and everything goes as projected with no surprises no nothing I don't I don't really want them to trade down if 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 that happens, great. But if not, you take the best available guy there and you get quality. You do not trade down. You, you, we need so, There's so many needs on this team, whether it be the linebacker that you were talking about, Jim, uh, Burns, or you know any of these defensive ends, these edge rushers, the offensive tackles. If one of them's there, you got to take them. Yeah, but the, you, you do it based on grade, and that's how you make your decision. 
Right. Uh, you know, if you've got three or four players that you've got graded pretty much the same and you think you can drop down five picks and get one of those four players, you're going to do it. Right. Yeah, the, the biggest you're picking up draft picks in return, so that helps you fill other needs. Well, did you guys look at the teams that draft behind us? Because when you talk about, you know, uh, you know, trading down, you know, look at the teams behind us and what their needs are. You know, the Redskins, you know, they're a team that, you know, a guy like a Burns can go to. You know, if we don't take them because they need an edge rusher. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the the Panthers are a team that definitely needs offensive line help. So, I mean, Mike, you're talking about if you if you drop down behind, you know, the Panthers, you may lose a guy like a, a Jonah Williams or somebody like that. Yeah, but a Cody um, Ford could still be there if that's the guy you want. Right. But, you know, again, Carolina could go, you know, that route as well. So, you know, they're the teams that are behind, and, and again, Minnesota at number 18. You look at them, they absolutely are going offensive line. Uh, you talked about Bradbury, and he's projected to possibly go to go to Minnesota at that number 18 pick. So, uh-huh. you know, you can't drop down that far without losing, you know, some right. quality players. Right, you know, obviously. there's teams right behind us. So, you know, it just depends on, you know, what the situation is, obviously. You know, but yeah, again, I, I'm not I'm not in real favor of them, you know, trading down. I, I would hate to see them do it unless they're getting something, you know, very positive, you know, a third round pick, something like that. If you're getting a sixth or seventh round pick, oh, no, just no, no. I don't I don't think you do it for less than a second personally. Right. Yeah, I don't think they'll trade unless they're going to get a high value pick in return. And here's here's the thing, Lou, in that whole, you know, say you trade down five or six spots and you could miss out on that one offensive lineman that you're targeting, but the thing is there's probably eight guys that are rated similarly similar, you know. So Value-wise, there'll be still a lot of good options for us. You know, if you go from number thirteen to number eighteen or nineteen, well, or that's, something. A, that's the thing. It's math, right? You know? It you is. How many picks it between is. us, exactly. and how many do we have graded in that area, and who, which of those yeah. do we want? I'd, right. I'd much rather have the number nineteen pick and the the number forty-two pick rather than the thirteen and our regular, uh, you know, fifty-two or forty-eight right. or whatever it is. So right. I'd rather add the other pick and get another, you know, second rounder up guy to add to our team at this point. However, I, they got to fill the holes is what I'm in favor of. Agreed. Yeah. If they, if I mean, if they're able to pick up a second rounder and and even a third rounder, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's okay to do it. As long as they have guys on their, you know, on their list of players that they're that they're valuing, uh, that that they're thinking are still going to be there, you know, looking at, and obviously they're a lot smarter than we are. They know what they're doing. Not and, always. And uh, yeah, not always. You're right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we may have been able to come up with a few different. Uh, scenarios as to where we we would have drafted better than they have, uh, uh-huh. you know, over the last few years in certain situations. But you know, th- this is key. They, you know, they've got to get guys in these first two rounds that that are going to be productive for us. We've done a pretty good job in the later rounds over these yes. last few drafts, yes. uh, and that's that's the, that's that's the positive thing. Now I know it's a whole different 
regime, but we have guys on our roster right now that have been very productive that we've gotten from later rounds. So if we hit on a few early round picks, and if we do pick up another second round pick, and we have three picks over the first, you know, 50 or so picks in the draft, then great, you know, trade down and get quality. But, you know, again, like we, we, I just hope that they are getting a second round pick and they don't decide to move down and pick up a third or fourth round or somewhere in the late round. You know, they've got to get they've got to get good value for what they're well, giving you, you, up. You saw Jimmy Johnson do it for years. I mean, you know, he would play the draft game, you know, uh, where he'd trade a pick, trade down, and mm-hmm. cost him Randy Moss one year, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but you, you, you do it and you take your chances and you hope that somebody's going to be there that you target to be there. And uh, if you do, then you win. If you don't, then you lose. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There's there's only one thing I know for sure about the draft, and that is if ifs and buts were honey and nuts, every day would be Christmas. Something like that, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, you know, there's so many teams ahead of us. We don't know what they're thinking, and uh, y- you can only do so much. you got to target certain guys, and you see how the draft goes, and if a guy falls to you, you pull the trigger. Uh, if the phone rings and somebody wants to make you a, a obscene offer, then you trade the picks and and you Absolutely. you go with the highest value. And we just have my biggest fear is, or my biggest hope is, that is our new talent evaluation and scouting department is better at what they do than than some of our Dion Jordan selections. Charles you're Harris. Not, yeah, you, but you're not going to hit on every pick. We know that. Oh, we, we've been around long enough to know that. I understand you completely, know. but, you know, some of them were just, uh, they should have been some sort of red flag somewhere. Well, you'd think, but, you know, guys uh, can fool you. They can fool you. I mean, you know, they do do their research. They talk to their previous coach. They talk to their family. They talk to whoever they can talk to. Uh, so they get fooled sometimes, you know, that happens. Uh, you know, somebody asked me about my brother, I'm going to list every good habit he has, but I'm probably going to leave off the bad ones. That's just the way that goes. Anyway, anything else guys? Lou, you have anything? No, uh, I think we pretty much covered everything. Uh, we talked about, you know, the number one picks just now, um, in regard to, you know, missing and we have missed on quite a few over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. Makes you cry. Makes you cry. It it does. And, you know, you you go back to, you know, as early as, uh, well, 2012 isn't early anyway. It was seven years ago. And, you know, you look at our first two picks, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Jonathan Martin in that draft. uh, You know, you know how that went. Ew. You're hurting me. You're hurting me. Well, it's painful. well, listen, it gets worse because in 2013, you had Dion Jordan and Jamar Taylor. Okay. Oh, yeah. and, and if you want to go to our third round pick, you have Dallas Thomas in there as well. Okay. And in 2014, you had Juwan James and Jarvis Landry. That wasn't a bad draft. Um, you know, in 2015, Devon. That, that was the Hickey draft, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 2015, you had Devontae Parker and Jordan Phillips, uh, your first two draft picks. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's, you know, recently we've done better. You know, in 2016, you had Tunsil, you had Howard, and you had Drake in the first three rounds. Now, that is an outstanding draft. That's a good draft. You got three solid players there. 
basically, maybe the best draft we've had in regard to the first three picks in our draft in 20 years. Maybe. You know, um, you know, in 2017, you had Charles Harris, you had uh, McMillan, and you had Tankersley. So, you know, that, that Not was looking good. That, that wasn't looking good. In 18, you had Fitzpatrick, Jacecki, and Jerome Baker. You know, the verdict's still out on Jacecki and Baker, but that, that, could, that could be a pretty good draft, too. And wh- what I'm getting at is, is that these guys, you know, they have to be the foundation of our team, these guys that are getting drafted in these first three rounds. And, you know, the last couple of years we've done okay. But uh, this year and going forward, they have to hit on these guys or else we're going to just be basically in the same boat we've been in. Absolutely agree. All right. So let's go ahead and do this again next week, guys. Thanks uh, for joining me this evening. Pleasure. Yes, as always. As always. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Fins up.